Revelation chapter number 3. We're winding them down. Winding them down. This one's a good one. This one, uh, this is a good one. So, gosh, we did, we, we paganized this place all up last Sunday, didn't we? <laughs> uh, so, the week before last, uh, we covered the church at Sardis there. Um, which the church at Sardis was the um, uh, has a few things against him. Um, they were the uh, 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 they were the uh, somebody help me out. Yeah, they were the ones that uh, uh, turned their back, and there were some infiltrators in the church. But yet there were some that had not defiled their garments. So they had held true to the gospel and uh, so forth. So <clears throat> tonight we are going to look at chapter number 3, verse number 7. And as in every one of these letters that we've, we've covered, um, these, this is Jesus Christ. Does anybody have a red letter Bible? I guess I got one of those cheap ones. I get red, these are, if you'll notice, these churches that we've covered, they're all red letters. And uh, so we, we know that that's... Uh, I mean, the the letters inspired are you know are read. Those were uh, uh, dictation over the years, but uh, they're they're accurate as that. And of course, we have again the Apostle John here in verse number seven uh, is penning this while he is in uh, the Isle of Patmos here uh, under arrest, and begins just like all these other letters to these churches, and it begins like this: and the angel of the church of Philadelphia. Write these things, saith he that is holy, he that is true, and he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. So, uh, here he is uh, addressing this church, and he's saying who writes these things, just like he does in all these other uh, uh, introductions to these letters. And, and you know, I don't know that I really caught the significance of this uh, reading through these before like I have with this study, but each and every one of these uh, introductions uh, is reverting back to an Old Testament, basically, prophecy uh, of who Jesus Christ is. And if Cody you got a hand free, I didn't give you any, any uh, references, but Isaiah 22.22 is where we find this for the first time in Scripture. Um, this introduction of, of Jesus Christ here uh, as he uh, introduces himself at uh, the author of this letter. And he says, In the key of the house of David, I will lay up upon his shoulders, so he openeth, and he shall shut, and he shall shut, and none shall open. So, here we see a prophecy of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And here in the book of Revelation, when Jesus is telling John what to write, he's saying, hey, I'm the one saying this. I'm, I'm the one that is the, uh, the key of David. And um, <clears throat> I think there is 20-some different references in the Bible of Jesus Christ being the root of David, the offspring of David, the son of David, uh, I found another one here real quick that kind of goes along with this. Ezekiel 37 and verse number 24, if you would for us, Cody. We see uh, one of those 20-some 
references of Jesus Christ uh, from David. And, of course, uh, 37, 24, yep, Ezekiel. This one's kind of one of those those interesting ones. And he saith unto me, Son of man, can these... No, 37, later on that chapter. Thirty-seven, twenty-four. Yep. There it is. Yes. And David, my servant, shall be king over them, and they, sh- and they all shall have one shepherd. And they shall also walk in my judgments, and they shall observe my statutes, and they shall do them. So these are just a couple examples of the many verses that are in the Bible that talks about uh, Jesus Christ being the offspring of David. And who, who can tell me why that's important? Make you think. I normally don't ask, don't ask questions on Sunday night, but I'm going to make you think. Why, why is that important that Jesus is of the lineage and ancestry of David? And of course... I'll babble while you're thinking. Um, you know, when we see the, uh, uh, his, his lineage there given in Matthew and in Luke, um, that's both mentioned that David, and, and then it's even given 14 generations from Abraham to David and 14 generations and, and kind of goes there and specifically names that. Confirmed prophecy, yep. Yep, prophetic. And... Yep, there you go. Uh, because David was promised that the that the uh, sepulcher would not depart from his house, and um, for and it says forever, <laughs> forever. So, you know, here it is, 2017. We look at Israel. Israel doesn't have a king. You know, they 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 don't have a king. They're just they're a, they're a democracy over there. They've got a prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, and we're we're friends on Facebook too, by the way. And uh, we, uh, uh, you know, they've got a, 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 a that form of government. They don't have a king. Well, they'll have a king in the millennium, won't they? And this is interesting. A lot of people don't think about this, but uh, there's some scripture uh, in the Bible that even talks about David himself seated on the throne. So. That's wild and crazy. David will be there in the millennium, and, and we'll, we'll see David along with Jesus or maybe one and the same, and I'm not sure how all that works out, and I don't think anybody knows exactly the details, but David will be seated on the throne in, in Jerusalem with Jesus. Um, <clears throat> so, And because that promise was made to him. So uh, here we see that... Hmm... You know what, Cody? Could you back? Is it real? Is it easy to go back to Isaiah twenty-two, twenty-two? I just thought of something. There's a. I forgot to mention this morning. This was our fourth anniversary today. Sorry, guy like that. I forgot to mention it. Anybody know that was this was our fourth anniversary? Was you thinking it? Well, I almost went sidetrack, went rogue, and, and almost. Uh, does anybody remember what our first message was here? Only the preacher, probably. <laughs> what are you thinking? Hmm, must have not been that profounding. <laughs> it's on the tip of your tongue. What's in a name? What's in a name? That was, that was the very first message we had here. 
And I almost went rogue from First Peter today and preached on what on on what's in a name. Just I don't have notes from that message or anything. I I don't. We didn't have a recorder then. We didn't even have a microphone then. We didn't have we didn't have anything. <laughs> we had lights, I think, some of them. Um, but what what? Huh? Yeah. We no. Actually, that first Sunday. Well, we there was there was some empty chairs, but. Um, there were more people than, than, you know, was the following week. <laughs> Which that'll make you, make you feel real good as a preacher. Like, oh, we're half full. And then come back next week and there's eight people. You're like, what did I do? <laughs> what happened? But there's just, just a lot of people came to help us out, fill some seats. Um, but what's in a name? And if you look at Isaiah 22, 22 where we just... Uh, I'm sorry, I think I went to the wrong place on you, Cody. Ezekiel 20, you were already there, weren't you? Um, anyway, I'll just give you the gist of it. It's, it's interesting, it'd be quicker. And I can't remember now. I looked at it, I looked at it earlier this week. Uh, maybe, maybe go to the next verse or two down. Because there's kind of an obscure name of Jesus Christ. And I don't look together this week, the names of Jesus... And I'm going to dwell on the tent children. Go maybe one more verse. One more maybe. One more, I think. Okay, one more. Uh, it's in there somewhere. That's the next chapter. But anyway, one of Jesus' names is the nail. Anybody know that was one of Jesus' names? The nail. That's, that's one of Jesus' names. And in one of these verses here, I think, around in there somewhere, because when I studied for tonight, I thought, oh, I, his, I think that's right after one of his uh, names, the nail. Uh, but that's one of Jesus' names is the nail. And uh, that's, that's kind of one of those interesting, that would be like a good New Year's quiz, wasn't it? I just blew it. We normally have a, a New Year's Eve quiz, like who's... Whose name is the nail in the Bible? That would have been a good one. And now you know it. Of course, the ladies don't, do they? Rita does now. <laughs> but the nail, one of Jesus' names is the nail. Um, so anyway, back to our Revelation study. That was a side, side deal. Um, <clears throat> open door. He that openeth and no man shutteth. What does that have to do with the church at Philadelphia? And like all these churches we've looked at so far, it is really tough to get some history on these churches because they've been preached on, taught on, preachers have tried to add to and put flair and stuff to it and, and everything. Um, but you remember our map and our seven churches that are on that map. This church at Philadelphia happens to be in kind of a rough area as far as not people, but oh, there it is, Cody, look at him. Um, it's 30-ish 30, 30, 30 miles from Sardis, south uh, east here, is Philadelphia. And it's not that it's in a bad neighborhood like the modern-day United States Philadelphia that we think of, um, but because this is a volcanic and earthquake area. So the people, and it, it's such, it, at this time, from what I could find, such an active volcanic area that they didn't even build houses. They just basically lived in grass huts because if they you know they build houses earthquake would come by and the houses would crumble and 
and you probably don't want to be inside of a uh, stone house during an earthquake, be my guess, like not the best place to be. So they, they lived in grass huts, um, which is totally different than a lot of the other areas. And, and of course, the Roman Greek occupied area we have here just like everybody else. <clears throat> but because of the infrastructure with the grass huts, now remember, we, we had this big temple uh, the seat of Satan here, this great big, you know, huge deal. But on this mountainside where this was at, it was an active volcanic deal. So with that being said, you really didn't have these huge pagan religious system because remember, a pagan religious system, you have to have idols, you have to have statues, you have to have buildings, you have to have things like that to go worship these pagan gods. So they didn't have quite that grip on this area of Philadelphia like they did in Pergamos and Thyatira um, uh, of that pagan influence. Now, granted, it was a pagan uh, area, but it wasn't, you know, they didn't have the priestcraft set in place because they didn't have the temples uh, in that area. So uh, when he says, Jesus, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and he that shutteth and no man openeth, um, Usually when missionaries come in, what is one of the things that they say? The Lord has done this, and we're now open the door. The, the Lord has opened the door for us to go into such and such place. The Lord has opened the door for us to go into. It seems like every missionary I've ever heard, that's what they say. And, and I think it's related back to this uh, church at Philadelphia because... Uh, the Lord had opened this door here in Philadelphia, and they didn't have the infiltration, of the, which we'll see here in a little bit, of these other uh, towns basically just because of the environment that they were in, you know, because that priestcraft infrastructure wasn't there. So, hey, the Lord had opened this door, and no man's going to shut it. So they had it, <clears throat> sort of the best I can tell, a little easier a little better, a little more Lord had paved the way for them at these other places. So, And I think where in turn, that's where we get, uh, when a missionary comes in, they'll say, hey, the Lord has opened the door for us to this area. And um, that's exactly what, I'm really excited about this book I was talking about this morning. And I don't want to tell you what it is, because I, I really think it's going to be a neat book. Um, it, it, and it basically, what's the name of it? I forget what the name of it is now. That's why I had to put it in my cart. <clears throat> but it, it, it's, it's kind of one of those missionary deals uh, about different people around the world. Mm. Go to my cart. Eternity in their hearts. Has anybody ever heard of it? Eternity in their hearts. That would be a good book. It's $13. Don't anybody buy it and read it ahead of me. <laughs> um, but it basically, there's, uh, I forget how many chapters there are in it, but it, it goes through different missionary testimonies around the world and how a lot of these missionaries um, basically had, and I don't have the book yet, I haven't even read the, any part of it, but basically a lot of these peoples around the world God had already put a seed in their heart and they were expecting, expecting the gospel at any time. Uh, one of the stories that kind of perked my ears up about this book, um, and I, 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 can't, I don't have any of the details, but it was a, a village of people in the mountains somewhere, and they had lost uh, 
they had lost the tradition of God, and they knew it. <laughs> they knew it. They had lost the tradition of God, and they knew it. So they made up this new tradition that's pretty amazing that said, a white man will come, this was a black people, and they said, a white man will come and tell us of the God we lost. And that is what they'd memorized, and they'd told their children and told their children for generations and generations. A white man will come and tell us of the God we lost. Well, lo and behold, this missionary comes into camp, first white man that had come there since whenever. And um, <clears throat> so he comes and he has the book, and he says, I have a book of God. And they said, come on in, tell us about the God we lost. And um, it's, it's pretty interesting. There's chapters and chapters of that, basically, uh, the eternity in their hearts, where there's been peoples all around the world that... Amazing stories like that where God has, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You got it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, uh, it sounds like a really neat book. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I'll take it out of my cart. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take it out of my cart. <laughs> I think this one's new, I think. I'm sure it is. Actually, it says used, but very good. Right. But I'm always for saving a buck. I'll save 10 bucks, yeah. Um, yeah, Don Richardson. Eternity in their hearts. Website called Abe Books, A-E-E Books. Yeah. For anybody that likes to read, I, I buy all my books used to um, go see. Yeah. It, but it, it sounds like a really interesting book, and if it's... And if it's kind of what I think it is, I think we'll do kind of a, a study. I got I got about three three Sunday night studies. I'm kind of juggling around here. What, which direction we go next? But um, anyway, but that's that is just a a hint of the Lord opening a door. And um, Jesus tells this church at Philadelphia that He is the one that has opened this door. You know, we we live in a if we lived in a place where there's like all this activity. You know, you just think, well, I guess this is just the way it is. But the Lord had prepared that place and that environment and that way for this church at Philadelphia, for these early Christians to go there. Um, look at verse number 8. Now, this is where it, <clears throat> where it gets interesting. I know thy works, just like he said about all the other churches. I have set before thee an open door. There it is. And no man shutteth it, for thou hast a little strength and has kept my word and has not denied my name. So, you know, I, I look at it like this. Uh, what, what strength, what strength does this church have as far as numbers wise compared to what's the, what's the big church in Cincinnati down there, Cornerstone or Cornerstone, is that right? Landmark. Land, landmark, something like that. Twenty, you know, twenty thousand people in ten different campuses in our area. Uh, you would think, gosh, we don't have much power compared to them, do we? But we have some strength. We we have this little mess falling out. We have this book. So uh, th that's why I really like this church because of Philadelphia is because um, size-wise, you know, they're they're living in that area. 
where it's just not real hospitable. I mean, as far as like, hey, where do you want to go on vacation? Philadelphia, no, they got earthquakes and all kinds of stuff. Let's not go there. That's, that's a bad place. They don't even build houses out of stone because they just fall down. So um, let's not go there. You know, it's not quite the uh, scenic place, and it's not the place that everybody wants to go and retire to. Um, so this church at Philadelphia is just really, from what I could find, is the smallest size-wise number church of all these churches and that these letters are written to. Before we get that far, does anybody know this difference between the church at Philadelphia and all these other churches that we've looked at so far? They're the good guys. <clears throat> There's nothing bad said about this church at Philadelphia. Uh, only praise. He knows their works and their little strength, and they have, he hey, have kept my word and have not denied my name. That, that's good. I'll take that any day. I'll, I'll keep God's word, and we'll get to that again here in a couple more chapters. Um, but that's, hey, I'll take that. If, if that's said of us, that's good. They're gun-toting rednecks. They're small, but, man, they hold on to the Bible. That's what they, they're good for that. I, I'll take that. You guys seem awful tired tonight. <laughs> uh, let's hurry up. Verse number 9. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know them that I have loved thee. So remember, this area here is just, just paganized big time. I mean, there's, you know, we've looked at all, it seems like every one of these churches have, have dealt with different satanic attacks and they're worshiping this god and that god and we haven't even gone into detail which uh you know balaam was mentioned or belial was mentioned and and the seat of satan there uh was mentioned at pergamos and and it's just a just a evil evil place to live in um you know the morality i'm sure is just awful um you, you know i don't think we really have you know, we, we watch the evening news and we get kind of disgusted here. But there's not a town within a half hour's drive that I'd be afraid to walk down the street at night. Am I right? I mean, even over the Rhine in Cincinnati, I've worked pretty close to there. I probably wouldn't be afraid to walk this. You guys are looking at me like, are you serious? <laughs> I mean, it, it's not like Chicago. It's not like Philadelphia. It's not like Baltimore. You think so? <laughs> I've worked close to there. I, I don't know. I've worked in some rough in the daytime. Possibly. <clears throat> Possibly. Uh, I remember, here's a side note. I remember when Christy, there was four girls, roommates in college, and uh, they went house shopping, you know, they're moving from, moving from the, the cornfields of Worcester, ATI, and they all moved to main campus, Columbus. And they went house shopping, and I said, uh, they, she called me, she's like, it's not that nice of an area. I said, it's Columbus. <laughs> she said, but it is the nicest house on the street. It is fully remodeled. It is so cute and everything. I said, well, where's that? She's like, it's in between 13th and 11th, I said. And she said, just, she's like, you can see the, the viaducts. She says, real close to the fairgrounds. I said, are you serious? Because when we would go to the Ohio State Fair, we would sleep under the viaducts where the train goes by. 
and you would hear gunshots, not just one a night, but multiple gunshots on that side of the tracks. And that's where they lived. Four girls alone in the worst part of Columbus. And you could find the house if, if, if whatever, if it was night and, and you were heading to the house at night, you just followed the lights on the helicopters and you could find the house. It was that bad. But I, you wasn't afraid to walk down the street at night. It's that bad. But, I mean, it's wasn't afraid to walk down the street at night. Now, you go to Chicago and do that, and they'll, ju they'll shoot you because you're white, basically. And uh, one of the girls did have a gun pulled on her in the back alley, but she was kind of a dingbat, and she just said, no, I'm not giving you my money, and went ahead and pulled the gate shut. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, are you serious? <laughs> but uh, it was the roughest part of Columbus, and they survived. I mean, they're... Uh, this a horseshoe? No, <laughs> it depends on it's if you're if you're blue and if you're blue and maize is that what it is or something? That, tell me, don't go along. <laughs> there by the shoe? That, that's not bad, but where they were at, it was bad. They, uh, uh, in fact, there was a stakeout, and the police would often stop in, knock on the door, undercover guys, and say, "Hey, we're with," show their badges and stuff, Columbus police department and could you let us know if you ever see this guy he lives over there and just call us and I'm like stay out of it <laughs> but anyway it was uh, definitely a rough part of town but nothing like Chicago from what I hear nothing like Chicago nothing like Philadelphia and uh, uh, what's Bozo's town there in Minnesota um, Minneapolis Minneapolis they say that is a rough rough town um, but that's, that's what we're looking at here. Remember Antipas got, was drug into the street and sacrificed there on the spot? Uh, that's, that's, a rough, that's a rough side of town. Well, Philadelphia, we, we don't have that going on. Um, and, and apparently God said, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan. And then he, then he gets kind of a little more specific, and I'm trying not to get too deep into this because we're going we're gonna to do a final wrap-up here in a couple weeks with the his, with with the prophecy of all these things, um, which say they are Jews and they are not, but do lie. Do, do we, without getting too deep into it, do we have that going on today <clears throat> in Christendom? Yeah, absolutely. There, there is denominations that say they are Jews. They've replaced Israel. They are the lost tribe or whatever and what so forth. Um, apparently, Jesus doesn't look at that lightly and kindly. Um, uh, let's look at verse number 10. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will keep them from thee the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Now because this church at Philadelphia here had this, uh, um, this power and strength from keeping the word of God. Look at, pull this one up for us real quick, Cody. Luke. 18.8. And whenever I, whenever I hear or read or think about keeping the Word of God, I always think of this verse that Jesus said. Uh, and I tell you that He will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall He find faith on the earth. That's a pretty, like, 
That's a pretty interesting question, isn't it? That Jesus, Jesus basically asks them that. Will I find faith when I return back to the earth? Now, we think of faith as church, right? I mean, that's just kind of what normal, just people, first thing come to your mind. You know, uh, I've had people say, um, just like my Israeli buddy over there, uh, I told him I was a, a pastor, oh, it's good, strong in the faith. <laughs> you know, they just, people think of, oh, he was a faithful man. Well, that's just somebody that goes to church every Sunday. Oh, he was strong in his faith. That's just, that's what people think. We, they think of the outward manifestation of faith. But I think it goes a lot deeper than that. Uh, our faith isn't the outward expression. Uh, our faith is what's inside. It's what we, it, it's really what we, be, it's even more than what we believe. Um, you know, uh, Hebrews chapter number 11 says uh, we can't please God without faith and that God's a rewarder of them that have faith. Um, so faith is even deeper than just what we are, what we do, or, or what we believe. It's, I say it like this, it's, it's in your knower. I don't know where your knower is, if it's in your gut, your heart, somewhere between your, where your knower is, that you come to a, a point, I, I, I think of it like faith goes from believing to knowing. <laughs> I don't know. Does that make sense? Does everybody know? You know. You just know. I mean, you don't, you you no longer doubt. You no longer. You have more things. You see through things. You see through the superficial stuff, and you see the deeper underlying meaning because your faith has strengthened so much. I'm probably not making any sense. Neil's. Yes, I don't know if I'm getting. I mean, you see through things because your faith has strengthened. Just like a muscle, you exercise your faith. And because it's gotten stronger, you see through the superficial stuff and you see the meaning and it just increases your faith even more and more. Um, we went going down the road today, coming back from Lowe's, and there was a, a church in Lebanon called Faith Building Church. And um, I, I think it is. You just continually build your faith all the time. I mean, your faith just continues to build until... It, Never be totally like, oh, you've arrived, but I think you just, your faith grows until you just, you know stuff. You know, it's no longer a doubt or a I think or I hope. It's just a, uh, you know. And that comes from this book. So when Jesus asks, shall he find faith on the earth? He's not talking about people that go to church. He's not talking about you know, even people that are saved, I don't, I don't believe. I think he's talking about people that believe this book. And I think when you, it's kind of a progression to where, uh, and I see it with new Christians, um, you'll see some hard things in the Bible to understand and you kind of mull over it. You might even doubt it. And sometimes, uh, not sometimes, but a lot of times, um, Teachers and articles and stuff will just say, well, that's just a bad translation. You can't take it like that. Or that's just uh, eh, another version will say this. Or, well, the Bible has mistakes. That's not faith. That's like the opposite of faith. So I think when Jesus is talking about this church at Philadelphia, he says, thou hast uh, strength and power, and they've kept his word. And look, Jesus says, shall he find faith on the earth? And he told this church here in Philadelphia, 
be there, uh, they would be present um, basically when, when he returned, this church at Philadelphia. And we'll get kind of more into the prophecy behind that. But now remember, how, how big is this church? Is it a mega church, Philadelphia? Just a few, isn't it? That's kind of important to keep in mind. There's a few that are holding fast, keeping the faith. And Jesus asked this question. I've got it written down in my Bible here, this 18.8. Will, that, was a, that was a pretty important question that Jesus asked. Will I find faith on the earth when I return? That's kind of one of those that will make you stop and ponder and say, hmm, how many people actually believe the Bible? Just a few. Just a small sort. Uh, verse number 11, Behold, I come quickly and hold... Uh, that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of God, and he shall go no more out, and he will write on the name of God and the name of the city of God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down of heaven from God, and I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear. Spirit say unto the churches. Now, what does that mean? I, I'm, I'm not 100% on it. I do know this, but this new Jerusalem that will come down on the new earth. <clears throat> anybody remember how big that, that city is? Four square, 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles. What? How do you traverse that? I don't know. I don't, nothing's the same. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's the same. It's 1,500 miles tall, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles deep. And um, if you stuck that on this planet, well, it would be so out of proportion, wouldn't it? But if you stick that on a lot bigger new earth, probably be portioned just right. And I can't, I can't even fathom that in my little minuscule mind. <clears throat> but inside that new city, Jerusalem, is apparently a temple. Who knows how big it is? Who knows what it looks like? But it has pillars, and on that pillar is the name of this church, Philadelphia, in that, in that temple. Whoa, okay. Uh, and we don't have time to go into this tonight, but if you look at the temple, um, uh, the temple that we studied there, Solomon's temple, some of those columns that are in that temple had some names on some of those, those columns, and we didn't really get into that on our study um, of that sort of thing. And it was even Solomon's porch, and where Jesus went to meet Pilate, some think was on Solomon's, uh, right outside Solomon's porch, um, is where, where Pilate tried. Jesus was just outside Solomon's porch, and there was a couple other... Um, I think when they took Jesus, when they took Jesus to the temple for the first time, I believe that was on Solomon's porch, where the old man was—I uh, forget his name—because, but he was excited to see Jesus and held him up there on Solomon's. Yeah, yeah, I believe that was on Solomon's porch too. So, just kind of some interesting locations of that temple. But uh, so there's some names on those columns in that temple that's important, <clears throat> and apparently. A church in Philadelphia will have their name on a on a, and that's there for eternity. <clears throat> that, that's that's for eternity. You know, we we don't often think about rewards, and I think, you know, especially as as I think Christians, you know, servant Christians, we we just 
does, does anybody serve the Lord for all our rewards and crowns and stuff we get in heaven? No. I, I think if you have the right heart, you, wouldn't, you won't do that. Um, but there, there are rewards waiting for us in heaven. And here, one of the rewards that, that you'll have as a faithful keeper of is a name on one of these columns um, in this new temple in New Jerusalem. Um, you know, last week, one of the promises that an a, a elder has is a, is a crown that won't be taken away if he's faithful and true. And I just, I don't like to think about that stuff because, you know, I, that's not why we do what we do. We, we do what we do because we don't deserve what we have and we just, you know, I want to I wanna pay the Lord back for all the damage I've done over the years. So, um, so but that's, that's one of the rewards that this church uh, will have in this new Jerusalem that cometh down out of heaven. Won't that be something to see? I know we were, uh, I forget who it was, but is that the Hoppers that sing that song? Yeah. We were, we were at a church where they were singing and the guy was standing next to me and, you know, everybody in the place is singing along with it. And he leaned over and he said, do you think anybody has any idea what this song's about? And I said, I don't think so. <laughs> but that's, that, that song, if you really listen to that song and just kind of try to imagine that, you know, new Jerusalem coming down out of the sky and just what's, how massive that'll be and what that'll look like and how people will get from one side to the other. And you don't have to watch science fiction movies to get, like, blow your mind, do you? I mean, we, we, have, no, we have no idea what's waiting in store for us. And just like this church at Philadelphia here probably said, oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> you know, we we have the whole Bible compiled in front of us and, and everything and, and a lifetime of study, and we don't have any idea. We don't even have a grip on it. Uh, but there you go. That's that's this church at Philadelphia. And there, there are the church that had it going. They had it going on. Uh, they might know what Philadelphia means. Brotherly love. There you go. Uh, I don't think that town still upholds that title. Yeah, well, it's a Democratic town. There you go. <laughs> but that's originally that's where that town uh, originally was was named after this church that we're talking about, Philadelphia. And Philadelphia means brotherly love. And um, if if that's not the secret to everything in a church, there it is, brotherly love. So, um, I have any thoughts on this church, Philadelphia? I've yacked. About time.